Hello and welcome to SEO SAS, where your hosts are myself, Sarah McDowell, SEO specialist at LikeMind Media, and the beautiful, wonderful, funny, charismatic Hannah Bryce, SEO manager at Holland and Barrett. Why are we called SEO SAS? Well, we would like you to think of us as your special answering service when it comes to SEO. Quite frankly, me and Hannah are nerds on the subject and we love nothing more than diving into topics, debating, finding out the latest trends, discussing what works, what doesn't, inviting guests to discuss this with us. And we love doing that so that we can help you, our listeners, understand SEO and together we can get better. This show is brought to you by the team at LikeMind Media. Like my media help clients find their audience and start having conversations with them, whether that's on social media, content or even podcasts just like this one. We're actually using their podcasting equipment right now. They're super lovely people who take time to understand your business and think like Aww. you. Thanks, Hannah. Now, you'll notice that on this episode, we are missing a certain voice. And unfortunately, Hannah can't join us today. But don't fret, my friends, because I have lined up an amazing guest to join me on today's podcast. And I would love to introduce to the show Simon Schneiders, who is the CEO of Blue Array, which is the UK largest SEO agency. Hello, Simon. Thank you for having me. What an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you very much for agreeing to be on the show how, how are we doing how is the current lockdown situation how are you finding it we're doing well as, as the ceo of a business my main priority and i've uh, said this at the very beginning of the crisis was to ensure that we maintained 100 percent of employees at 100 percent of salary and so far so good with the help of some government support as well so having i think achieved that the outcome we, we, we seem to be at the, the end of, or the tail end of the worst of it now anyway, and inquiries do seem to be back at the level they, that they were in February for the business. So um, I'm very, yeah, very pleased overall and certainly see a, a big shining light at the end of the tunnel now. Yes, a big shining light indeed, because I can't wait for a little bit of normality to return. And I, we don't really know what that normality is going to look like, but I do think that during this sort of current pandemic in time it has been a real test for some businesses hasn't it and I think for those that have managed to survive like hats off to you and applause so it's great that um, you guys have achieved what you have and even more so that your inquiries are back to where they were so I think you guys need to give yourself a bit of a pat on the back for that. Yeah, thank you. We've got, you know, it's not me there's an incredible team that's there supporting at the moment so yeah. We're really pleased to be in the position we're in to, um, to to hopefully welcome all of our furloughed employees from what we call now training employees on training leave back into the business. Um, I would hope all of them anyway, um, sometime next month. Lovely. Well, fingers crossed then, and I'm sure you will achieve that. So today we invited you onto the show to talk about the book that you you wrote and published called Mastering In-House SEO. Now, before we get into that, I would like our audience to get to know you, Simon. 
So I've got a couple quick fire questions where I just want you to empty your mind and just answer with the first thing that comes into your head. Are you ready? Sounds frightening. Let's do it. (laughs) No one has ever said frightening before. (laughs) Favourite smell? Um, Eucalyptus. I I love showering in Dr. Bronner's Eucalyptus Castile um, for both the smell and the wisdom. And and you'll only know what I mean if you've ever bought it. But um, yeah, eucalyptus is absolutely my favourite smell. Lovely. Beach holiday or city break? Definitely beach. Give me a sun lounger any day versus a city map. So if it was Mauritius Mauritius versus Madrid, then I'll take a palm tree and a sandy beach any time. Are we having a cocktail at the same time? Absolutely. (laughs) Crocs, yes or no? Yes, but only if you're wearing white sports socks. Oh, that's very particular. Jeans or chinos? Chinos are definitely a young man's game. I've, I've got to be in jeans now. Oh, okay. Last book you read? So the last book was, just have a think about this, Persuasion. Uh, so a guy called Robert Chiardini. Uh, so it's about people, um, get, or getting people to be more receptive to a message before they encounter it. So it looks at um, what you can communicate the moment before delivering the message so that audience becomes more open or receptive to the message that they've, they've yet to encounter. So very interesting take on things and the the theories that they use can be tempted to sort of put shoppers and consumers um, into a state where you know they're more receptive to to the message that they'll be receiving but also in in selling yourself as well so I think one of the great examples from the book is um, about selling yourself a job interview so where we've typically been taught at, at the interview to say something like thank you so much for inviting me I look forward to answering all of your questions or something along those lines Robert recommends instead saying before we begin, I wonder if you could just answer a question. And yes, well, what was the question? Why did you invite me? So what is it about my CV that's attractive to you? And, wow. and what that does is it persuasively focuses the interviewer on the features of your CV, which are most attractive to them. So, so companies can do something similar, for instance, with pre-sales surveys, you know, to get prospects to focus on only the positive attributes of your company and then not your competitors. So it's that kind of psychology that I absolutely love. Lovely. Well, I'll make sure that I link out to the book in the show notes because that definitely sounds like that book needs to be on people's bookshelves. Song that will always get you on the dance floor. Hmm. Absolutely nothing. So my wife <laughs> will have to lead me every single time. There is nothing that would, that would spring me onto the dance floor. I can assure you of that. Uh, not not uh, you don't have a guilty pleasure that you just can't help but you know tap your feet and get moving or really not absolutely nothing <laughs> it's got to be my wife that leads me every single time yeah and begrudgingly as well <laughs> most hated google algorithm update so I'll, I'll show my age here and um say florida but absolutely the best in terms of cleaning up the industry as well and second place only to um well actually penguin I think uh, another one that really did it a great deal to clean up the industry. So a bit of a pain, but it was needed. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> what are you missing most in lockdown? Uh, restaurants, I'd say. I'm a bit like my dog. I'm, I'm really highly motivated by food. So having a good restaurant to look forward to, to meet a client in London, you know, that's the, the thing that I really miss. And a private members club that I used to enjoy, they're called the, the Hospital Club, which looks like it's, it's actually maybe closing down now, which is, is really sad. Hmm. Um, but yeah restaurants definitely food 
I'm very motivated by food as well. If anyone wants to get me to do something, just say your goal is this lovely bit, bit of food at the end of it and I'm there. Awesome. All right then. Well, that is the end of the quick fire round. Um, so, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like our audience know you a little better and I definitely feel like I know you a little better now. Great. Let's delve more into your career then and you as a professional in this industry. So obviously I did my research like a good interviewer would and on your LinkedIn profile the first SEO job listed is SEO manager at Yelp. What is the story like behind this? So and what was your story before this and how did you land SEO manager at Yelp? So I, I lived in a place called South Beach in Miami prior to the, the job at Yale. So I, I did a bit, a bit of time there and then a, a bit of time at a tiny island called Key Biscayne. And so I spent sort of seven years between South Beach and Key Biscayne before returning back to the UK. Most of the time that I spent in Miami was misspending my youth, really. So I, I discovered Jimmy Buffett, Pirates, Rum, Argentinian Cuisine and, and SEO as well. But um, that was through affiliate marketing, essentially. And then affiliate marketing really, again, back then, predated SEO. We, we didn't really have a name for what we were doing then. So this is a time before Danny Sullivan was even on the scene. So he was just a journalist with, with an itch needing something to scratch. And he'd, you'd see him appearing in the forums. The Digital Point was one of the forums we used to hang out to. And it was a very small crowd of people doing what we were doing. And, and Danny looking for a story there. Matt Cutts was famous for coming along to affiliate conferences and picking up the tab at the bar uh, and staying stone cold sober himself while listening to some of the techniques we were using. And, and often not spoken about is the role that somebody called Jerry, Jeremy Zawodny had at that time as well. So he was from Yahoo yeah. um, and played a, a great role in sort of pushing Google to clean up its search results and, and stop spammers from being able to, to gain page rank. And, and that's really what prompted the Florida update as well so he's one of the people that I think was forgotten about in the industry but um yeah very important Jeremy Swadney yeah and so coming back to the UK was about me sort of settling back in the UK I really missed England surprisingly that there's only so much sunshine you can take uh, before it starts to become quite boring and I found that the pace of life was incredibly fast there without seasons to to break it up and I wanted to come back to the UK start a family and and you know settle down into uh, into that sort of life and so uh, Yale were hiring for an SEO manager. My background back then was, was really just doing affiliate marketing, mm. so self-employed. But they were willing to, to, you know, sort of skip past that and, and get me on board. And I did, a, I think, a fairly phenomenal job for them. We, we had, a, I think it was about a 300% increase in, in SEO traffic within a, a relatively short space of time. But it was a, a challenging business to be involved in. Um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's very, I think it still is today. You know, it's, it's a, an incumbent player um, in the market, fighting at the moment for, for market share. But, but back then, there, that wasn't really an issue. Print was the main revenue driver. So trying to push that business into, you know, the, the digital transformation was incredibly hard work. And getting anything done there was, was very, very difficult as well. Mm, interesting. Before finding your own agency, you also worked at other places. So on LinkedIn, you have that you were the SEO manager at Daily Mail right. and you also headed up SEO at Zoopla. So from your profile, you've 
had a lot of varied experiences. So yeah, can you tell us a bit more about how it was at Daily Mail and Zoopla? Sure, absolutely. Daily Mail was a tough journey and, and I can recall very early in, in my um, beginnings there getting thrown out of the editor's office after suggesting we might, we might want to tweak the headlines to be a bit more performant in search and you know, him sort of shouting at me, don't you tell me how to change my you know, headlines. Wow. So it wasn't, a, it wasn't a great start there, but um, the MD and I left that meeting both cuddling each other and consoling each other about um, how we were going to find a way to prove to, to the then editor that uh, SEO was something he needed to take more seriously. So what we did was we took a journalist from the editorial team, trained her up in SEO, and then essentially threw her back into the sausage machine and the results started to speak for themselves. And the next conversation with the editor was, was then with open arms, essentially. So I think that's a good lesson in, you know, you need, when you need to, to move the needle on a business, you've got to find the, the way to do it by, by hook or crook sometimes, you know, to, to get what you need done and change yeah. effective within those businesses. Thinking outside the box and thinking of a solution that's going to work. So you did that there, didn't you? Yeah, there was no other choice, really. I mean, the, the, what we knew was going to most improve the performance on search was, you know, for, for us to be able to use full entity names in headlines as, mm. as, as one of the, the most obvious ways to improve um, well, SEO. So SEO one-on-one. Exactly. SEO 101 wasn't being practiced at all there. So I think she was called Cheryl Cole at the time. But back then, uh, we would constantly refer to her in the headlines as Cheryl. And, and of course, no one's you know, searching for, for Cheryl on its own, but Cheryl Cole. And people yeah. would have a hard time interpreting whether the article was about Cheryl Cole because we never mentioned you know, Cheryl Cole in the article. So simple things like that, full entity names and headlines was, was a step change for that organization that we knew was going to be the, the most likely to affect um, SEO performance. I think that's critical is you identifying as an SEO in-house what are the things that I can do that are going to move the, the needle on this business most radically and most effectively in the shortest amount of time possible so that you've got buy-in? Exactly. So then moving on to Zoopla then, was that a more positive experience there? It was actually. It was, it was far more positive and it's actually a fairly easy ride in comparison. Uh, and I don't want to say that, you know, Mail Online was just about tweaking headlines. There was a huge amount more to that. I and mean, it's a enormous website. Technical SEO was a big challenge mm-hmm. there as well. But with Zoopla, um, we got to do some a lot of acquisition SEO, which doesn't get talked about in our industry a huge amount, but we, we did a lot of that. So essentially acquiring other businesses purely for SEO. Now, externally, we would say this was about consolidating the market and simplifying things for the consumer, but actually it was about SEO. So we were acquiring businesses of page rank, essentially, um, and, and it was incredibly effective for us as well. So we then moved into a, a different area altogether, which I like to call moting, which is a very interesting technique. I don't see practice very much, but certainly something you can do when you've got a, a website where you've got search results pages and listings, and you've got the ability to shuffle the furniture on those pages. And I, I, I'll tell you how I, I discovered moting, which was quite by accident, really, which was we, we'd acquired a business called Prime Location as part of a a wider business that we'd acquired called um, the Digital Property Group. And Prime Location was one of those businesses where I was quite excited. We were going to redirect their pages into Zoopla's pages and we'd see a, a decent step change off the back of that. But actually, I was told by the, the CEO that um, we can't do that. So 
Uh, we've been told by some high-end estate agents that uh, if you were to lose that domain, you could lose our business, which I think we were told we would lose their, lose their business. So, um, you know, it's very high-end, aspirational, London, um, you know, and they wanted to make sure that their, their properties were listed in that, that uh, website. So the challenge was then put to me, um, I want you to get Zoopla ranking number one and then prime location ranking number two. And of course, the, the, the answer was, well, but do you know this is duplicate content, right? So it's, it's mm. going to be incredibly challenging for us to do that. But we, we figured out a way to, like I say, shuffle the furniture enough that um, in Google's eyes, at least, they, they had clear value difference. And if anybody wants to have a dive into that, I think you could probably, here's a challenge. So if you your listeners, go and figure out what the, the, what the furniture shuffling is, the difference between Zoop and Prime Location. And if you, you know, you should fairly easily, quickly arrive at what the answer is to that. But um, it's quite cute, I think, anyway. <laughs> Um, I love that giving a giving a task and an actionable task for our audience to participate in. Yeah, go and find <laughs> out what what we shuffled on on those two sites to to, to show value difference to Google. Um, mm-hmm. But we we didn't stop there. So this idea of moting, so where you've got you know more than one uh, domain that you own appearing in search results. Uh, I like the idea of moting. You know, we've got a a castle which is your main domain, and then you're yes. creating a body of water around it, which is made up of other domains that you also own um, so it's different to domain crowding that's not what i'm talking about here but different domains which are which are owned by the same business and so you you've got that still today with zoop and prime location both ranking for most queries that they're they're interested in we also approached some publishers about um you know white labels and gray labels that we could do the same thing with because we we figured we could shuffle the furniture on those domains mm. as well to also continue to do this serps moting uh, and, uh, you know, that worked incredibly effectively. So, yeah, really good fun, essentially mm-hmm. having, uh, you know, deep enough pockets to be able to go on the acquisition trail and, and the CEO understanding that that's the only way that we're going to be able to compete which with, with the incumbent at the time, uh, which was right move. So by yes. the time I, I left that business, we were doing something uh, around 60 million non-branded searches a month from organic search and um, around 30 million indexed pages. So um, I was, I was I pretty mean, happy with that. Yeah. I mean, you should have been happy. Yeah. Pat on the back with those results. <laughs> um, I bet they were sad to see you go. So moving on from Zoopla, then you then started your own agency. So was that always the plan? Or is it something that happened naturally? So for me, everything that I'm doing now I've sort of happened by accident. So I actually studied dance at university and now I host an SEO podcast and I'm a SEO specialist at an agency. So how I've gone from that to here, like who knows? Who knows how I've managed that? Um, So I've sort of gone through life a bit. Oh, let's see what happens. Let's say yes to this and doing it that way. Would you say that that's how the agency came about or is it always part of your plan? Are you a planner? I am a planner. So I'll tell you about sort of more deliberate maneuvers to to start an agency. But um, I've I've always found, so your background in dance, for instance, so that's the perfect makeup of an SEO. If we can find somebody who's comes from a creative background, whether that's art or dance or whatever it might be, um, music is, is another common one. And then they've got that geekery as well. You know, they've got that, that, that desire to explore and understand how things work. That, that those two, um, you know, sort of those two elements can help to create a, an incredible SEO person. Um, certainly my own background is, you know, I've more of an artistic background um, than anything else. So I, I'm a painter and 
you know, that's ultimately where I want to get to is, is affording a lifestyle where I can just be in a studio painting all the time for myself and not for, you know, for any monetary need, essentially. But um, uh, I've always uh, had an ambition to start an agency and I've, I've, to some degree I've deliberately forged a career that met that end goal. So mm. as an example of that kind of focus, I, I never took a role that I couldn't clearly see a path to delivering really strong ROI. And, and continuing to build my good name. And I, I certainly had roles in the past that have gotten in front of me with organizations where the money was great, but I just, I didn't see a clear path to really moving the needle for them. And I just turned down roles like that. So I had a, a very clear plan of attack before the interview, what's gonna move the needle. And I'm pleased to say I still have that ability. So I think five minutes into clicking around a website, I can very quickly get to, these are the big strategic needle movers um, for this organization. And it's something that I, you know, we carry on as a as a business. Whenever we're we're auditing um, businesses, that that sort of strategizing we we have very clearly set out from the very beginning of um, just talking to a client in the first place. So I feel now that we've got to know you personally, and we've got to know you as like how your career has progressed. And I have to say, it's very interesting. Like you've got lots of different stories that we could just delve into more, but unfortunately, we don't have loads loads and loads of time to do that so I would like to move us on to talking about your book so just want to say congratulations on writing and publishing mastering in-house SEO I imagine that's no easy feat (laughs) putting together a book and I came across the book as a reach so one of the experts quoted in the book because obviously mastering in-house is all about sharing bleeding edge strategies and tactics from leading in-house SEO experts and a reach was one of these experts and she shared the book in her chapter on LinkedIn and I asked her to give us give me an introduction to you because I was like we need we need a book author a book author we need an author on the show to chat to so so congratulations and thank you for sending across the book which is a pleasure to read I very much enjoyed reading that so is this your first book how did it come about again did you always want to write a book or did it happen sort of naturally I'm guessing I'm getting the vibe that you're a bit of the planner, so maybe it was always in the plan. Yes, yeah, so I think firstly, I wanted to thank Arij for introducing us, and I have a huge amount of time for her. Mm. She's, she's really helped move our industry forward, and we were speaking about this prior to this podcast, just having a chat. We have so much more to do as an industry to move forward and, and, yes. and show the professionalism that the, that the industry needs, really. So it is my, my first published book. I should say, by the way, I, I didn't write it. There are 26 co-authors. I, I don't have a book in me. Uh, and I knew that I didn't have a book in me before starting this. So there are 26 other co-authors that, that need to be um, praised as well for their contribution. So you're right, it was planned. This was something that was planned in Q4 of 2019 as part of a number of strategic enablers. Um, the idea wasn't my own. It was ceded to me from a guy called Matt Lerner, who's, who's from 500 Startup Fame and uh, PayPal. I was then introduced to an editor called Mikhail uh, Bahanas, and, he, and we sculpted the idea together from a few conversations back and forth, um, essentially where I saw a gap in the market that no one was tackling in-house SEO. And that mm. spoke to an alignment with our planned training academy as well. So if, if we could um, help educate and inform in-house SEO people 
that would that would help push our industry forward in a way that we are positioned to do now, essentially as the, the UK's largest SEO agency. So, you know, again, we were talking about this at the beginning of, um, before starting this podcast, but you get to a stage where you're, okay, we've reached the top now, you know, we're, um, you know, we're, we're, we're number one in the UK in terms of, you know, turnover and headcount and, and all of those things. Now it's time to start to elevate the, the industry. Um, and, and you've got to do that when you're in that position because you've, you're the only one really with the kind of budgets that you can afford to to help do that so that's that's where we've we've positioned this and it's always come from a higher purpose essentially you know the, the academy is tailored specifically to in-house seo execs wanting to upskill to the, to the uh, level of seo manager and the books essentially a complement to that more than anything else mm. and i mean the book is fascinating and i have to agree with you with so obviously there's not that much resource out there for in-house SEOs, SEOers as it were. And what's really awesome about this book and the co-authors is it covers a wide range of different topics as experts are sharing their experiences on dealing with imposter syndrome, importance of educating other departments about SEO and how to get taken more seriously. We've got career advice in there. We've We've got specific technical SEO aspects that experts yeah. talk about. Oh my gosh, aspects and experts never put them in a sentence <laughs> <laughs> together again. You did well. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about because obviously it, it's jam packed. There's loads of awesome stuff in in this book. Um, so I wanted to pick out a few that sort of stood out to me. Um, and I want to start with uh, Luke Carthy, who is an e-commerce growth consultant. Yeah, we love where, Luke, yeah. Uh, well, he, his story where, so the title is, A Simple Point of View Made a 30 Grand Day Difference. Yeah. Um, and so he had an e-commerce client where there was a problem that kept getting reported on the checkout page, which isn't great for sales. IT would look into it and couldn't find any errors with the page. So this was a bit of a head scratcher. So Luke did some investigation and found out that the error message people got that they were reporting was error 1007, please call sales, which is what they were doing. And Luke did a bit of digging uh, into what that error meant. And what he found was that that error meant that the person had inputted their card details wrong. So obviously he made the suggestion about, okay, so rather than saying error 1007, please call sales, have a message that says you've, you've inputted your card details wrong. Yeah, he, he, he suggested that and that one little one little thing that one little tweak made a huge difference the complaints and issues reported went down and yeah and they made more with the sales so that just goes to show that thinking about user experience and understanding behavior can really drastically affect sales what did you think about that? I, I thought with um, Luke, there were two main points that he got across. One is that your job is not to just do SEO, but affect the goals of that business. So, you know, no one cares about the robots.txt file. Your, your CEO couldn't give a monkeys about that or, or canonicalization. They don't care about those things until they care. I think that the goal of SEO is to affect revenue uh, for that client that was best served instead by looking at this 
this particularly poor user experience. So that's the, you know, the first thing. And then secondly, I thought that getting these kind of wins buys you massive credit with these organizations, which is, is critical in the early days of a relationship. So my, my past experience and success does buy me credit. You know, that um, when I'm introduced to, you know, the CEO of a business, I'm introduced as, you know, he's the guy that um, headed up Zupa and took them to the 1 billion IPO. Um, it buys me an awful amount of credit. Um, and so, you, you know, cre and credit something you're buying all the time because it allows you to, to settle in for the long road ahead with SEO. You mm. know, if you can buy more credit along the journey, that, that really helps just give you more of that runway that you need, uh, which is ultimately usually resource um, to do mm. your job. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so moving on from Luke's story, obviously I said about the book containing experts sharing their career advice based on their own experience. Yeah. Um, and one that stood out to me was Tristan De Silva, tech SEO manager at Ticketmaster. And he talked about imposter syndrome and how to deal with this. Do you think imposter syndrome is common in the SEO industry? Because I know I have felt it and still feel it at times. And I didn't know whether this was a common, common thing. Um, what, what do you think? I know Tristan very well. He's a good friend. He's somebody that I've met, I think it was at the Digital Property Group many, many years ago. I, I have a particularly unpopular opinion about imposter syndrome, and it's only my opinion. So I just wanted to clear that up beforehand. Um, firstly, is it really imposter syndrome? It's a bit of a buzzword at the moment, and it actually means a pattern in which you, you doubt your own accomplishments and you've got this persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. So if that if that is the case fair enough but is it actually this persistent pattern do you really think of yourself persistently as being a fraud uh, and i think for most people that's not true i think for most of us we just need to ask some self-probing questions you know is there any evidence to support these feelings of low self-worth that i might have and i think we can quickly dismiss these ideas that we're a fraud you know when mm. you start to to look for the evidence i think what most people think of as imposter syndrome, we can just probably call self-doubt. And, and it's actually closely lined with humility, which used to be a virtue. That may be showing my age there, but um, the idea that you have to be supremely confident in all situations at all times of your career, and that it's some kind of mental health issue, if you're not, is in fact probably the issue. So yeah. you know, if you're not supremely confident at all times, somehow you're less than, which is probably doubly worse for those who already have low self-esteem. So I think, you know, I come from a generation before even mobile phones, let alone smartphones. And I think that the pressure on young people at the moment through social media, presenting only the best artificial version of, a, of themselves is, is deeply concerning. I think, you know, from my generation, we were a bit gangly and deeply uncomfortable in our own skins most of the time. And that was perfectly normal. Mm. You know, being depressed or down was okay, you know, sometimes. So I think you've hit the nail on the head there because I do think imposter syndrome is a buzzword at yeah. the moment and I think it is used wrong a lot of the times and yeah and I suppose it's not imposter syndrome for me it is it is doubt and it's more because because I think when you first get into the industry and when I when I first started in the SEO, SEO industry I thought that I had to know everything mm. and I was 
terrified if ever I got asked a question that I didn't know the answer to because I was like oh I don't know the answer to that I must be rubbish at SEO which is not the case because it's okay to ask for help it's okay to have to research into something yeah it's about it's about being vulnerable you can be vulnerable I suppose exactly I'd say that you know as an employer it's it's a big hurdle to get over when you're training and developing young people who are supremely confident on the surface but completely lacking ability so right. yeah. as, some, as someone who's hired and unfortunately fired a lot of people, those that have the ability to be humble, who are self-critical and are open and willing to learn are actually the successful ones. So at Blue Array, we actively look for humility, the ability for candidates to say, I don't know or yes. I can't do, because these things we can solve. We can, we can solve those things with training and development. Yeah. Top performance in any industry, um, including SEO, underestimate their own ability. The worst performers overestimate their ability with false self-confidence. So I don't think, as I say, what's being termed as imposter syndrome is, is really that a lot of the time. And you're actually perfectly normal. So don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about it. You're completely yeah. normal. Awesome. Okay. So moving on then. Again, in the book, it shares, so experts have shared their experience with technical aspects of SEO. So for example, we have Ben Johnson, who is a freelance SEO consultant, sharing his experience with SEO testing and how he developed a tool to better this process. I love that because he was saying that the tools out there weren't delivering what he wanted them to deliver. So he just developed a tool to do that, which I thought was, I was like, yeah, you go. And then there's also Roxana Stingu, head of SEO at Alamy and she was giving great page speed recommendations so there's a lot of technical aspects to read about in this book as well was there anything that stood out to you in the book sure just firstly love Ben love Roxana um, I met Ben um, fairly recently actually I think it's uh, about six months ago and he was my arch nemesis at Rightmove so oh. when I was at Zoopla <laughs> he was at Rightmove so we decided to have a beer together and, and, and share notes and um, sure enough, neither of us had a clue what each other were doing. So, <laughs> but we made all kinds of assumptions. So that was good fun. I think Roxana's worth um, talking about, particularly when she was writing about Chrome DevTools and using the tags. I think they were async and defer she was talking about as tags. And we all know page speed is an everything factor. And these improvements can, can really help you win hearts and minds in a company when you can, you, you know, page speed is one of those really measurable demonstrable things that you can show clear tangible results from so you know i think that's a hugely important chapter that people need to read i think jamie peach was really interesting for me as well so he did a section on pre-rendering in react and the utilization of reverse proxies to get sites which are on separate stacks to appear as though they're part of a, of a main domain which is a great solution i think reverse proxies are, are not really spoken about in the industry much but what it is essentially is a reverse proxy returns responses to the client from a different or multiple origin servers. So for example, your information request using a website is sent to a, a reverse proxy server. It then gets directed to the actual server when the info is stored and then returned to you via the reverse proxy. So it allows you to essentially get um, data back from another server um, but make it look as though it's originating from the, the actual same server. Hmm. So it's often the solution when you've got say a blog hosted on a subdomain because the developers saw that it needs to be hosted on, you know, PHP with MySQL and, and their main sites on React. So they put it on a subdomain because it's, it's, easy to, it's easier to set things up that way. 
But um, I think most of us in the industry still believe, despite what John Mueller and others have said, and I have a, definitely a tinfoil hat on this about <laughs> subdomains and you know subfolders um, having equal importance. I've, I've got the tinfoil hat. Well, I don't see the evidence of that in the in the yes. real world. Um, okay. So if you were to want to move your separately hosted WordPress site into a subfolder, you could do that with a reverse proxy. So I think you know that for me was the first time I'd seen anybody certainly write about that in the same way and, and why they, they went for that particular solution. So yeah, something that um, we do quite a bit with clients as well is you know get them to to migrate away from subdomains. And if it is on a you know separate stack, they the um, the server essentially, then we would use a reverse proxy to get it onto a subfolder. Awesome. I'm just looking at the time and like time just seems to be flying by. Sure. <laughs> so I'm just looking. Yeah, because I'm always, whenever I'm planning for interviews, I always cram in more questions than I have time for. <laughs> I so, could go on forever, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I love this industry. I love this subject. You, know, you can talk to me about SEO all day long. Oh, um, I'll talk to anyone that will it. listen. Yeah. Yes. Well, this is why we have a whole podcast on the subject is because there's loads of different avenues that you can go into with this. So obviously I've shared about all the different subjects that are covered in this book, but, and I can sort of see people using this book as a bit of a, of a reference guide. Um, so something that they keep on the desk that they can go back and refer to or remind themselves what someone said. What are you hoping people get out of the book or do after reading? I hope they get a renewed vision. I hope that they get a sense of what they need to do to become really successful in their role and to help step change, not just their organization, but our industry as a whole as well. And we really, really do need change. We're mm. still lacking the credibility we need, despite having a, a performance channel, which is proven, you know, it can be successful. The professionalism needs to come up in the industry. Yes, agree. And there's still a lot, like we said earlier, um, we've got people like Reed who are doing amazing work and right. projects for the industry. Yeah. You guys, Blue Array, you've got a, um, an academy, haven't you, where people can learn. Yeah. Um, and you did tell me before we jumped on this podcast that your courses are free to the end of June. Is that right? Correct. So yeah, the Blu-ray Academy, um, because of COVID-19, we decided to make it completely free. So we, we were thinking about what could we do to help the community? What could we do to help to maybe small businesses and charities? Um, and we're getting involved with lots of other things. We've got a big project going on with Boston Consulting Group at the moment to help small businesses and charities. But we wanted to make it available for free. We wanted to allow people to use their what we call training leave, which other people might refer to as the furlough scheme, to use that downtime to upskill themselves. So we've We've made this available for free until the end of June. So you can sign up now up until the end of June. And if you haven't completed the course, that's fine. As long as you've registered up until the end of June, you can continue to do the course freely. Lovely. I'll make sure that um, we include a link to that in our show notes. Thank you. Um, where can people get this book? They can buy it at Amazon if they wish to. Uh, so if you just type in SEO in Amazon, it should come up as the, the top result there. There are a few other options, non-Amazon options, because we, we recognize that some people don't want to buy from Amazon, and I totally get that. <laughs> so they're, they're all available on the website, masteringinhouseseo.com, or you can just Google Mastering Inhouse SEO, and you'll be able to find and purchase a book in the way that you would like to from there. 
And I did see that um, all profits go to Samaritans. Is that Correct. right? Yeah. How do, do you have a personal connection with Samaritans? How come you picked? What is it about this charity? My wife is a Samaritan uh, and I know with COVID-19 how much this organisation needs support. So that's the why, why we chose that um, particular charity. Awesome. So not only, guys, are you reading and learning and finding out about people's experience with SEO and bettering, but you're also doing your bit for charity. Great. Thank you so much. Win, win, win for everyone. So we've got couple more questions and then it's my favorite part of the podcast which is the feature which I'm sure you're very excited for Simon I can't wait I'm, I'm <laughs> literally jumping out of my seat I have no idea what this is but yeah so last two questions then what tool do you use every day like what what tool can you not live without <laughs> my keyboard oh <laughs> Yes, that I, was, that I was not expecting that. <laughs> I was more thinking of the software tools. But yes, a keyboard. You do need your keyboard, don't you? Yeah, absolutely <laughs> essential tool. <laughs> yeah, love it. <laughs> do you have a question for me? Yeah, I think, um, well, I guess, first and foremost, do you feel as though I've, I've given everything you need for this podcast, that the, the audience is going to have a fully formed view of, of, um, of us as Blue Array, as, me as an individual, and, and what we're trying to achieve? Well, yes, I, I believe so. If you do, I don't, I don't know. I think, yes, we've delved in. I mean, there's only so much that you can achieve in a podcast episode, but I understand your sort of um, mission and ethos, as it were. I'm hoping that after us talking about some of the experience and stories within the book, people are like, yes, I need that. I mean, did you want to do a 30 second pitch for the book? <laughs> elevator pitch no it's fine it's, it's, it's available at all good bookstores including amazon but it's not it's only on amazon and by the website so no unfortunately not but um no thanks i just want to make sure that um you and your audience get what you need out of this and um yeah thank you so much for your time and well, what's next for you i think is my question so where are you where are you next in your career what's what's next What's next for me in my career? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I suppose for me, so obviously I want to push and promote this podcast as much as I can because uh, I thoroughly enjoy doing it. I get to talk to loads of different people like yourself. I, I um, thoroughly enjoy listening. So, so carry on, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we set out with the podcast to make seo fun and accessible for all uh, so that's what we try with our podcasts um to do um so yeah we want to because we love seo and we think other people should love seo as well and we also want to make it accessible like it's not that scary yeah. um yes you need some experience yes there's some do's and don'ts but with a bit of like guidance and a bit of support anyone can try it absolutely and then career-wise, it's just sort of doing the best that I can do. So I obviously work for Like Mind Media, an agency based in Loughborough. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm very sort of, I'm known as the SEO girl within the team. So I'm the one that's very passionate about SEO and making sure that SEO isn't an afterthought, but it's more, it's part of the bigger picture. Great. Like, everything like we on the podcast we talk about 
channels um so anything that you do with marketing should be this one big oily machine that works together and seo is part of that as well so as much as i can educate and get people thinking about that the better absolutely i I can remember coming from a time where no one knew where to put me in an organization so um what do we do with the seo guy who should he report to and um oh, right. I, used, I used to abuse that so badly so i i i'd say I, I i definitely have to sit under the cto because i need to um most of what i'm going to be doing is quite technical and i need to to sit with the development team so i do that in the early days you know sit with the developers you know build up um a friendship with them and and uh, show them the kind of change that was being affected uh, through their work essentially so empower them to see the results of of seo and mm. then when i was done done with that I essentially say um I think I need to sit under the CMO now and you know, just kind of put, position myself in the way that I needed to um, for those businesses. But um, you're doing a great job if you're, again, educating um, you know, clients and your, your business as well or the agency around the uh, importance of SEO and where it sits in the, in the prioritization of things. Mm, yes, yeah, So definitely. great, amicable. <laughs> right, so before we move on to the future, I just want to say that Simon, you have kindly agreed to give out some books for free. Did I? I'm I'm kidding, I did. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Don't do that to me. I was like, oh, how am I going to get around this one? Yeah. (laughs) So thank you very much for offerings. So yes, as listeners of the SEO SAS podcast, you are in with the chance of getting your hands on a copy of this wonderful book, Mastering In-House SEO. And it's really simple how you can get your hands on a copy. So all we are asking you to do is tweet your best SEO joke to us. So our Twitter handle, SEO underscore SAS. Tweet your best SEO joke, the cheesier, the cringier, the better. And Simon has agreed to pick a winner some winners so yes if you want to be in with the chance and be and own yourself a copy of this book then that's how you do that so any advice simon on on jokes do you like the more cheesy ones do you like the more the cheesier the better for sure um, yeah. i've got an 11 year old daughter so they're pretty cheesy at the moment um <laughs> Yeah, and it's not anything to do with light bulbs or changing light bulbs. That's um, oh, that's how many out. how yeah, many yeah, SEOs yeah. does it take to uh, change a light bulb, sort of thing? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Right, I believe it's time for this week's feature. So, before the podcast, I asked Simon what his sort of so out of SEO and marketing what Simon's like subject would be if he was to appear on mastermind is mastermind still a thing is that still going on or is that long gone no idea I haven't seen it on tv forever (laughs) no me me neither me neither so you said cocktail recipes didn't you that's Yeah, so you quite know your cocktails. Well, I know, I'll be specific about this. I know my 90s cocktails. So um, while I was in misspending my youth in Miami, I did a fairly um, large um, stint as a nightclub top, uh, cocktail bartender. And uh, I, I, yeah, so I, I think I, I remember most of the recipes. Awesome. To, to my wife's delight, by the way. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you can just knock up a cocktail in 20 seconds and there you go Here, here's a cocktail <laughs> i have one two three four i have five questions for you related to cocktails oh God. and yes you've just got to answer to see how many you get right okay do it, so, Let's do it. yeah first question which cocktail is made with vodka triple sec cranberry juice and freshly squeezed or sweetened lime juice Ooh, vodka cranberry juice triple second sweetened and lime juice did you say i did i believe that is a cosmopolitan um the uh, only thing i'd say is that you would not use triple sec I, i'm definitely against triple sec it's a cheap liqueur but use grand marnier or cointreau instead there you go. Well, you were right. I did. And... Yeah, there you go. Nice. <laughs> and I will know from from now on that triple sec is no good. You don't want to be no putting good. them in your cocktails, no. people. It, your, your world will change if you use Cointreau or Grand Marnier. <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce them because I'm awful with words at the best of times. Right. Which key ingredient is missing for a Long Island iced tea? So... What is missing? Gin, vodka, white rum, Contreal. Is that how you say that word? Contreal. Thank you. Lemon juice, dash of cola, lemon wedge. So what is miss, what's a key missing ingredient there if I was to make a Long Island iced tea? I'm really sorry. It's five white spirits. Um, so, oh, you've got tequila missing. There you go. How's there that? you go. Yes, <laughs> you thought you could test me. There is no way. <laughs> you really know your stuff don't you oh yeah oh my gosh which cherries are an ingredient in many cocktails giving them the nickname cocktail cherries maraschino cherries i mean yes well done what can i say <laughs> <laughs> misspent youth right next one there is a bar in yukon canada where you can drink a sour toe cocktail True or false, it has a real severed human toe in it. True or false? That's got to be false. I can't, I can't, I couldn't imagine. You're going to tell me it's true, right? It's true. Apparently, it's true. Awful. (laughs) Imagine having a sour toe cocktail served with a human toe in it. I mean, that's just, mm, yeah, does not make me feel nice. Um, right, your last... That was good fun. I love that. Thank you. You've got one more question. Oh, no. Okay. One more. One more. A martini cocktail should be stirred. What is a shaken martini called? Is it a Bradford, a, Gip- a Gibson, or a Sakitini? Gibson. Unfortunately... No. It's Bradford, but I mean, that's from my resource, re- my sources. So I, I might be wrong, but I mean... It's good to be honest with you, but with bartending, I've only ever had one person come to me saying, I'd like a martini shaken, not stirred. Um, you know, the sort of the, the, the um, bond line and um, yeah, most martinis are served up shaken. I wouldn't know the difference, to be honest. Uh, no one's ever asked me for a stirred martini. Really? It's always, always shaken. Yeah. Always shaken? Always, yeah. You want to get those those ice crystals in there and um, best way to do it, yeah. There you go. I mean, 
I know that I could really fancy a cocktail right now. I don't know about you, but I, don't, I think it's a bit too early. I mean, quarter to two for a cocktail and no. it's a weekday. I mean, that's just dangerous, isn't it? What is your favorite cocktail? Uh, my favorite cocktail to make is still the Cosmopolitan. It's very simple, clean, elegant. Um, if you can get that right, that's, that's always a crowd pleaser. I think ah. for, for drinking, um, I don't actually drink anymore. So um, for me, uh, there's a there's a whole bunch of non-alcoholic cocktails which are really great uh, you know he's not we're not restricted anymore to shirley temples or um or diet cokes but uh... my boss he i think he actually celebrated doing a year no drinking and he's quite enjoyed trying all the different non-alcoholic versions of big cocktails apparently he quite he quite likes the non-alcoholic copperbergs yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I think my favourite at the moment is the um, Seedlip range. So yes. uh, it's a distilled non-alcoholic um, spirit that's got the same botanicals as things like gin, for instance, that starts to make a, a tonic a bit more interesting, but is yeah. exorbitantly expensive. That's what I was going to say. Yes, because I've seen that in the shops. Because when my sister was pregnant, she tried that. But for a non-alcoholic spirit, it is pretty pricey, isn't it? Sure. <laughs> Well, you expect to, it's, I think it's, it's surprisingly a bit, it's quite nice to get a shakedown um, from a bartender when you don't drink alcohol, you know, paying eight pound a pop for a, as you would do in London anyway, a, um, a secret right. and tonic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, London yeah. At least you feel like you're experiencing the financial pain of drinking again. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm afraid to say we have run out of time. And... Shame. This has been really good fun. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad. Thank you very much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. Uh, I mean, you. not only do you know your SEO, but you also know your cocktails, don't you? <laughs> not <laughs> so, two of them, apparently. <laughs> well, I mean, you still got three, three out of five. But anyway, if people want to find you, talk to you, reach out to you, how how's, how best can they do that? So I'm in the B2B space, as in we're, we're a business selling to other businesses. The best way to connect with me is LinkedIn. If you're wanting a fast response there, I'm I'll, you know, happy to connect, connect with anybody and anybody wants some advice or someone to talk to, then um, yeah, I'm always, always open for that sort of thing. Lovely. Good, good to know. Good to know. If you want to get in touch with the podcast we are on twitter we're seo underscore sas so don't forget if you want to be in with the chance of winning a book then tweet your best seo joke to seo underscore sas and simon will pick the the lucky winners we're personally so i'm on twitter um, Sarah McDook and Hannah's on Twitter, SEO, SES Hannah. We're both on LinkedIn and you can email the show as well. So if you want to come on the podcast like Simon has today, or you just want to say nice things to us, <laughs> then yes, you can email hello at seosespodcast.com. And then the last thing that I will ask last thing that I will ask is that if you do enjoy our podcast please do subscribe to us and if you're feeling extra generous give us a review because that would be bloody wonderful right I've had a whale of a time Simon have you I've loved it Sarah thank you so much for the uh, the opportunity and yeah, I've really enjoyed this thanks so much lovely right let's say goodbye all right goodbye look goodbye. after yourself all right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye and until next time. Bye.
next time, yeah? Thank you.